Hello, this is Michael Stone, the host of Conversations. We're committed to bringing you leading-edge thinkers in the areas of environmental restoration, social justice, and spiritual fulfillment. On our program, we look for positive solutions to local and global issues that leave you touched, moved, and inspired to action. Our weekly guests include local and global experts and concerned citizens working together to heal the wounds that separate, alienate, and marginalize people. Welcome to Conversations. This is your host, Michael Stone, and I'm really thrilled to have Emmett Miller. Dr. Emmett Miller is back again on our show, and it's really a great uh, opportunity to have him. He's acclaimed as one of the fathers of holistic medicine, and he's a mind-body physician, psychotherapist, visionary, musician, healer, coach, and master storyteller. Dr. Miller pioneered the use of meditation and guided imagery in his practice for healing spiritual empowerment and peak performance. Published the first deep relaxation guided imagery tapes back in the 70s and helped create the now mainstream field of complementary integral medicine. His groundbreaking work in mind-body medicine led to the creation of this deep multimedia, docmiller.com. And it's great to have you on the show again, Emmett. Welcome. Thank you, Michael. Good to see you again. We've both been busy with this uh, COVID-19 issue mm. coming up and boy, a lot of people in a lot of fear and a lot of people also opening to what's possible. Talk a little bit about what you've been up to around the uh, virus. And just so people know, Dr. Miller has drmiller.com slash COVID is a site where you can get all kinds of information. on this. Well, uh, of course, there's the, there's the immediate issue, the sort of instant or immediate crisis that we have to deal with. Uh, and of course, it's uh, unexpected, as they say, nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition, you know, nobody expects a global epidemic or pandemic, and we have very few mental or emotional tools to deal with what we're, with what we're going through. So there's a massive amount of fear and anxiety and panic that people have simply because, number one, their routines are destroyed. We don't have our usual routines. and we, we are very grounded in our lives by our routines. And, and by the way, that's one of the things that's very important for those of us now who are in a lockdown or sheltering in uh, phase. It's very important to develop routines. The body is designed to run on routines. So without routines, there's a kind of inner chaos that increases the level of stress, tension, anxiety, and panic that, that, that people have. Other people aren't aware of their feeling anxiety or panic. Instead, they think that they're feeling anger. So our spousal abuse and child abuse is going up. Um, arguments are increasing among families where we have that kind of denial and over-focus on anger going on. And all of these, of course, represent stress within a person. And stress is essentially when the world is not working out the way you wanted or the way you expected or the way you wished, 
or the way you hoped or the way that you're familiar with dealing with it, then you have two pictures in your mind, a picture of what you wanted or expected, and then the picture of what in fact is happening. And it turns out that they don't mesh. And when that happens, the, the monkey mind, the limbic system within the brain reads that as a conflict, what we call cognitive dissonance. And then it responds with a fight or flight response, which is what we call stress, which is to raise blood pressure, the uh, in speeded up clotting time, uh, collapse of the immune system, shunting of blood from the internal organs out to the muscles, et cetera, et cetera. All the things that would be useful if you were dealing with the kinds of stressors that we had a half a million years ago, which would be uh, being attacked by a saber-toothed tiger or a landslide or you know whatever it is, and you'd have 20 or 30 seconds to save your life. So the stress response, in effect, begins to dissolve the internal organs to turn them into glucose so that you can run faster or punch harder. Well, of course, we're not dealing with an identifiable threat that we can punch or run away from. And so therefore, we're put into an ongoing stress situation. We're designed to feel that stress for 30 seconds, maybe a minute or two, and then, then it's over. Either you got away from the tiger or you're dead, in which case is, that's the problem solved. So if you lived, you sat back and go, whoa, whoo, man, did you see that one? <laughs> and you relax. And so life is a matter of occasional stressors followed by relaxation, but for us, the tension increases and increases. And if you read the newspaper every day, it ratchets up the success. First, we got the message, oh, it's gonna be cool. By April, it's gonna just vanish like it was just a dream, you know? We've got everything covered. We've got so many ventilators. Oh, we have testing. Oh, well, it's not too bad. And next day, oh, actually, we don't have those ventilators. What? Oh, well, actually, it's not going to be over in April. What? So the stress level goes up. And well, not only does it cre create the anxiety and the panic and the anger and the, the dissonance between people, the confusion and the inner chaos, but it's also suppressing our immune system. Mm -hmm. And of course, we haven't had an opportunity to prove this with the coronavirus with this coronavirus, but every other coronavirus has been demonstrated that when a person is under stress, and I'm not talking about the level of stress like we're having now, but let's say the stress of not having uh, a functioning social network, for instance, at UCLA did, did these studies. The kids who had lots of friends, when the flu came around, they didn't get it nearly as much as the people who did have friends. Likewise, when, when midterms are coming up for law students, the ones who are stressed don't do as well, of course, but they also become ill much more. So likely, highly likely then that that increased level of stress is diminishing our ability to block ourselves from getting the disease because we're disempowering our immune system. Latest studies are that the size of the dose that you get of this particular virus um, is directly related to how, um, how virulent 
the infection is in you. And clearly, the more effective your immune system is, maybe in, maybe in nailing those two or three or 10 viruses that may, may get in, you may be able to prevent having it all together. But if you do get it, it's a good idea for your immune system to be in, in good functioning order. So, as you mentioned, my focus has been for the last, I hate to think it, 50 years, is showing people how to use their minds to make changes in their physical body, including their immune system. And so what I've been designing is guided imagery experiences, sometimes they're called um, meditations or deep relaxation. Um, and what I've done over the last 50 years is to combine the best features of meditation, prayer, and self-hypnosis, to take those factors that are common to them all, which have to do with quieting the mind, relaxing the brain, relaxing the mind, quieting the amygdala, quieting the, the hippocampus, quieting the monkey brain, saying, listen, monkey brain, we don't need you to react. It's not a saber-toothed tiger. You're safe right now. Relax. And one of the major things, of course, that stress does when you're in a stress, whether it's fear, anger, whatever it might be, it actually decreases your ability to think. It inhibits your cognition because we don't want someone writing a poem when the tiger is attacking or to say, wow, man, look at the cool fur on that tiger that's about to wow i've never seen have i ever seen teeth that long before <laughs> no creative thinking allowed however in the stressors what we call type 2 stressors such as we have now right now and as we have had for a long time of course and my stress is you know a major the major input to just about all the diseases that we experience now in our culture it's all magnified at this point and what we need to be able to do is to quiet that overreaction within because at this time we need to be creative. And when you can relax, you can be creative. So what I've been doing for the past few weeks is writing experiences. Um, they're published on that website, drmiller.com slash COVID. Uh, many free imagery experiences to help people learn how to work with those kinds of stressors that we have now. That's kind of what I've been doing so far. That's quite a bit, Emmett. I, I, I do actually teach a press transformation course. And one of the things, first things I say is what does stress mean? Because the word itself causes stress. But the word also doesn't really say a lot. It's kind of like saying, I'm sick. Well, do you have a cold or terminal cancer? It's all of this. And I think stress is the same way. What stress is really saying is something's too much, right? Something is too much. Well, important to notice, well, what is it that's too much? But also how, and you have, this is a question I'm getting to, how do we increase our interior capacity? Because if it's too much, then our capacity, we're full. Our nervous system is full. All of our right. systems are, are, as you said, on red alert. So in order to expand our capacity, of course, meditation is 
the way that I often work with people, and you have a lot of guided meditations, and I do too, talk about this idea of capacity. Because some people can look at the tiger and say, oh, big teeth, you know, and others would freak out and it's just a picture of a tiger. So what about the issue of building capacity in this time of high stress and anxiety and overwhelm that people are in? Mm -hmm. Well, I guess it's probably um, best summarized by the, the well-known expression that when you're up to your ass in alligators, <laughs> it's hard to get to work cleaning swamp. <laughs> and that's the place we find ourselves, except that the alligators are imaginary. Yeah. The swamp is real. And we really, really have some work to do. But if we're so busy worrying about the alligators, ah, you know, what's going to happen? So we create an image in our mind, oh my, I can't go to work. And I've only got this much money in the bank and I've got this much to pay for rent or mortgage and I've got these kids and I've got this. I mean, these are real, but they are not tigers that are attacking you that you have to get away from in the last 30 seconds. So it doesn't make sense to dissolve the organs of your body or inhibit your brain. You've got a problem. But we're so accustomed to, well, what happens is we make this picture of the future and we say, oh my God, if I don't figure this out, and then we picture this disaster in the future. That disaster is not real. The future is not someplace we're going. The future is a place that we're creating right now. And if you create a picture of a negative, frightening future, and then you look at it, and your brain goes, ha, ah, ah, ha, ah. ha. It's sort of like when you go to a movie, you go to a thriller or a horror movie or something like that. You're sitting in a room with 500 people eating popcorn and drinking Coca-Cola, and you're going, ah, 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 ah. what are you? This is all make-believe. You know it's make-believe. It's an, it's an actor reading lines that were written by someone who's nowhere around, who didn't believe it, and it's not a true story. And yet you're reacting because of your beautiful imagination. That's how powerful our imagination is. And of course, the answer to that is to stop responding to imaginations mm -hmm. that are not useful to you right now. It's time to focus on what is useful to you right now. And meditation or prayer or anything, deep relaxation, anything that relaxes you into the moment, that brings you into the present moment. Because at this moment in time, you do not have to go anywhere and you don't have to do anything. There's nothing you have to react to. And therefore, you can choose to relax. And when you're doing this, you're bringing into play your prefrontal cortex. This is the executive portion of your brain, something that most of us have never been adequately trained to use. In our culture, we're trained by our schools. We're trained by our media. We're trained by our mm, mm, political figures to react. The whole idea is to get you to react. Oh, you've got dandruff and no girl's going to ever want to go out with you. And so you need this. Oh, if you don't have this, you're not getting the best deal on your car insurance. If you're not looking like this, if you don't have a body that looks like this or like this, then 
And every single message, and the average person, the average city dweller is exposed to 3,000 to 5,000 commercial messages a day, every one of which the bottom line is you're not good enough, you don't have enough, you're defective. They're all what we call disempowering, and they create what's called learned helplessness. So we've been taught to believe that we're helpless. We're not. Look at the people that we put into office and look at how we put them in and look at what sways our voters. This is not intelligent thinking. So we've been brought into a situation where we're afraid. We've been taught to feel separate from other people and we're polarized. Um, the right and left in, um, you know, Congress is like a food fight. Right now, we need ventilators to save people's lives. And what's happening, the states are bidding against each other to see what's one's rich enough to buy the most, instead of our getting together and say, hey, we're in this together. A house divided cannot stand. And this, of course, what we're talking about, of course, it's true right now. And to get through our personal issues at this moment, we need to get to that place of relaxation. But we also need to learn how to get there so that we can take care of the rest of the problems because this whole virus thing is really the tip of an iceberg that our governments have been failing probably out 30 or 40 years. Those of us who are old enough remember when things worked so much better. But the, the government departments have been cleaned out. The amount that we spend on taking care of the government and the people has fallen off. The money has been made and shoveled it into the pockets. What is it? The top 20 richest own half of all the wealth in the country. Some sort of bizarre number like 10. that. <laughs> yeah, right? And who's left out of it? The common person, me and you and the rest of us. So what's, what's going to happen? Well, this is just pointing out to us the complete inadequacy of our health system. It's pointing out the failure of our government to do what it needs to do. We can see the failure of housing. We can see the prison industrial complex. And so we have all these prisoners stuffed into prison. What a Petri dish, you know, the, the virus is going crazy. And we've already got two different varieties of this virus right now. So if we don't stop things, stop this pandemic, this epidemic from spreading, if it goes through enough people, it'll figure out how to mutate into some other kind of virus that even people who've had the old one may not be immune to. But kids are still going out to the beaches, People are still crowding into churches. We simply don't know how to act together. A house divided against itself cannot stand. So we need to come into wholeness within ourselves. That is to relax mind, body, and emotions to get to that place where we can think clearly. Mm -hmm. And then once we get to that place that we can think clearly, we need to tap into the wisdom within ourselves and not just react to this and react to that, but to be able to say, hmm, there's a challenge here. 
what is the wise way to deal with it? And it's not when, oh, my God, I'm up to my ass and alligator. No. And to tap into your wisdom, what's the wise way to deal with this? For instance, put down your vaporizer, put down your cigarette, because there's good evidence that I can see that your likelihood of having a really serious infection when it comes is increased if you're doing those things. That's what it's wise to do. Mm. How is it wise so your wife or your husband or your kid says something to you that, that sounds really disrespectful? Should you snap back, show them who's boss, punish them, maybe give them the cold shoulder, cut them off, you know, or just pretend that nothing happened. Or do you say, what is a wise way to deal with this? Perhaps remembering how important you are to each other, how important we all are to each other, and then responding from love, responding from compassion, being resilient we all have the ability to do that but it doesn't help if you don't you have a compass if you're lost and you have a compass in your pocket <laughs> doesn't help if you don't reach in and take it out that's what we haven't been learning to do mm. we've been taught to be consumers to consume products to consume political people and the way they do it is by disempowering ourselves and that's the gift in all of this. This little breakdown in system that we're seeing with this little virus, and we're gonna make it through it. We're gonna make it through We're not gonna to starve to death. Life's gonna be different, but it may be much better because we may discover how to hold together, how to love each other, how we can reach out and support each other, and how can we can receive support from others instead of our country's been <laughs> You know, it's the story of the four men in the four men in the rowboat, two in the front and two in the back, and the two at one end. There's a hole in that end of the boat, and the two guys at that end of the boat are frantically trying to bail it out, but they can't do it fast enough. And the other two are sitting watching at the other end, and one turns to you and says, "Boy, I'm sure glad that hole's not in our end of the boat." Right. We are all in the boat together, mm. and you, we know that. It's not that the intellect doesn't have it, but the emotions that we're feeling are preventing us from acting wisely based on that data that we have. And so those people who are wise enough to tune into your meditations each morning at what time in the morning? Nine o'clock, yeah. Nine o'clock mm -hmm. Pacific time. Pacific time, right. And you just go to, to uh, welloflight.com. Right. To, to get on that. Yeah, I wanted to say something, Emmett, about, well, first of all, I moved to Nevada City. I, God, it's 40 years ago, I guess. <laughs> I left five years ago, but 40 years ago. And part of it was because I saw, I thought imminently that the systems were about to collapse. I really, and so I bought my acreage and I had my house and I had a couple of years of food storage. And I realized looking back, it was totally out of fear, but it looked like the consumption machine could not last much longer. That educating children to be consumers and follow orders was not gonna last long with the growing population and uh, climate change, which 
we were talking about then 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was a move out of fear. And it's really interesting now. I'm very positive. I'm, I mean, a lot of people are suffering. I, I see people and, and people come to, to me for coaching and, and groups that I work with. A lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, and a lot of blame also. And I'm so positive this time has, has said what many enlightened masters have said. First stop. We need to stop. And the beauty of the coronavirus is that it stopped us and it stopped everybody. It doesn't matter how much money you or how much political power, everybody globally is brought together. So 7.7 billion people are now stopped. And the earth is, you know, it's spring. You can hear almost the birds singing, hallelujah. There, the uh, CO2 you know, has been cut by, the main greenhouse gas has been cut by 50% in the last couple of weeks. Dolphins are swimming in the canals of Venice. That hasn't happened probably for hundreds of years. Uh, and you can see the sky in China. There's so much happening. The earth is responding to it. And we also, as you say, presencing, bringing ourselves to this moment and really being with the gift that's happening and the opportunity to lean into a new possibility for the future, one that's about we rather than I, one that's about yes. the entire, you know, I, I, I think that the possibility now for a federation of humanity that is based on we is possible. China is sending us respirators. <laughs> that's amazing. You know, that's detente. The, the thing is to bring ourselves, as you're saying, into this state of, of presence. And maybe you can tell some people, I mean, we have the meditations we're doing, you're doing some, some of the things that can actually help us to ground. This morning we had a huge conversation on the, after the meditation, the Dharma talk around what are the seeds that we're planting now in the garden, uh, the world garden. You know, we have, we have a seed we can put all those negative things. We have the, the compost, the green manure garden over here where we can put the doubt and the fear and the anxiety and plant those seeds because they'll be green manure for next year. But now what do you want to plant now in the garden of your heart and the garden of the world? So, Emmett, you have a, you have a lot of tools that you developed for the last 40 years to help people to come into this what's being called presencing by Otto Sharma who's doing mm -hmm. amazing that's another thing that's really amazing there are large-scale systems changes taking place and um, at MIT there are several groups there's hundreds of thousands of people looking at how to create large-scale global change and it's being very effective uh, Peter Senge, Otto Sharma, a lot of people are working on these things that are that are incredible. So we tend to hear all the bad news, but I got to say, there is so much good news going on. Yes, yes. We just open ourselves to it. Yes, there, there, there really is. Um, and I would say, I mean, for sure, that, that, that notion of the crisis, meaning both danger and opportunity, and to be able to withstand the danger and not let it distract you. Do what you need to be protected in the moment, but then look for the opportunity. And this is really an opportunity for us to learn how to think differently. 
presencing is very much the secret of it. The, 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 the trick that's been used against us. Um, I'm, I'm publishing a good deal of material, but I've, I've studied propaganda for some time, and it's very clever how propaganda works. And, uh, and the way it works is basically through using the same tools that are used in hypnosis. And people are hypnotized, as I said, into feeling helpless and into behaving in the way that the hypnotist wants them to. And what we're having the opportunity to do is to take charge, in effect, to become our own operator instead of having a hypnotic operator from the outside. Uh, and what I found, and when I began to work with hypnosis in my med medical practice back in 1970, found I could do surgery without anesthesia. Uh, I saw incurable diseases apparently get cured. I've seen people heal incredibly rapidly, change their lives. Failures become successful, and I've seen this happen now thousands of times, and I've taught it to thousands of people who repeat the same information back to me. My son says, what are we doing? What we're doing is shifting into a different state of mind. Mm -hmm. We all have different state of, we can call them different moods, but they're different states of mind. They're actually different hypnotic states. Sometimes I can sit and concentrate for hours and be incredibly creative, and sometimes I can't think of anything new. Sometimes I'm very loving, very amorous, and something I can't get it going at all, and so forth. And we all have these different moods. Everyone is a different state of mind. Hypnosis, the, the, the science of hypnosis, is the science of a set of tools that allow us to transition or transform from one state of mind into another state of mind. And what we're all doing is trying to enable people to look at the world differently. And as you said, again, presencing is, is the point. Let me, can I do a little bit of a demonstration? Sure. Maybe it's better if people tap into your ability to do this. That is. Be careful if you're driving. Be careful if you're driving. Look at just one point in the distance. Focus on that point and don't let your attention move from it. And by doing that, you're telling the unconscious part of your mind that you're going to be directing your attention, directing your awareness. As you look at that point, become aware that there's no other place you need to go. There's nothing else that you need to do. There's no problem that you need to solve at this moment in time. And therefore, you can give yourself permission to relax all unnecessary tension from your body. Take a deep breath in, let it out and feel your body letting go. And if you feel you'd like to let your eyelids close, let your eyelids close since there's nothing outside that you need to be looking at. Behind your closed eyelids, let your eyes look upward toward the back of your forehead if you've let them close. And imagine you can see the word relax. And you're really looking up into your prefrontal cortex. And be aware that you are right here in this present moment, that you have everything that you need.
in this moment. There's nothing missing. There's nothing extra. Take another deep breath in. As you let it out, allow yourself to relax even deeper. And then just let the air do the breathing for you. The way it does when you're deeply asleep at night. Doing nothing, the air enters and leaves. Imagine each breath out continues to empty your body of unnecessary tension, empties your mind of unnecessary thoughts. Sink down into that little pause after you've breathed out and before you breathe in again. That's the quietest time of all for all your mind and body and the time when you are closest to your spirit to your soul, to the spirit that moves through all things. Good. Letting go of all thoughts of the past because the past does not exist. This moment is the only moment that exists. Not even one second of the past can ever come back again. And so you have no need to think about it. The future has never even existed. That's a fantasy too. Let these fantasy thoughts go. Be here in the moment. Feel the air as it breathes you. And for a moment, think about someone that you love or have loved, or something that you love, a favorite pet, a beautiful piece of music, a beautiful mountain or garden, something that fills you with joy, with peace. Picture it in your mind. You may have many things. Just choose one. Choose one that you can feel in your heart. Feel love. Feel the wholeness. Feel connection. And breathe into it and let it grow stronger. Continue to erase all other unnecessary thoughts from your mind. That feeling of love puts you in touch with the truth of who you are, puts you in touch with the wisdom that lies within you, puts you in touch with the ability to choose wisely in the future, to choose to do those things that you will look back upon next week, next year, or five minutes from now, and think to yourself, that was a wise choice. Feel the love. Breathe it throughout all the rest of your body. And being in touch with that wise self, become aware of what wise choices would be in your life for today. What would be a wise thing for you to do? Put your love into that choice. And if you wish, make that choice now. And then, when you gently bring yourself back to an awareness of the space around you gradually, let yourself appreciate the colors that you see, the sounds around you. Feel a sense of gratitude within you for the joy that is within you, for your ability to love to love others and to share, to feel compassion. Allow yourself to be wide awake 
and then go ahead and make the choice that you know is the right choice for you. Good. Then take a few moments and notice how different you feel from a little while ago. Very simple. And if a person chooses to do that, to take that little three or four or five minute break, anytime you're beginning to feel tense or angry or frightened or afraid, feel gratitude. Remember that love that's within you, that that wholeness, which is the source of all life, the source of your life, and then reach out and make connections in the world. And then when you've got your center here and now, and when you're clear about what you need to be doing today, then take some time and take a look at your connections with other people. Think about all of us and think about how it might be that all of us can join together. You know, right now, there are political leaders in this world, believe it or not, who are using this disease, the sickness and deaths that are happening, in order to increase their political power. They're suppressing honesty. They're stopping us from sharing with each other the information that we have that can create wholeness. And we don't have to put up with that. We can do something about it. So begin to think, and every one of us has a role to play. Don't buy that crap about you're helpless. You're not helpless. You're incredibly powerful. And if you're tuned into the right websites, you're seeing stories about people who've done incredible things like the 17-year-old kid up in Seattle who's been tracking COVID-19 since the middle of December. He's been demonstrating. He has a beautiful website out there showing the data. It's very clear. Look at some of the things that people are doing. Then what can I do? And if you don't know right now, then allow yourself to be in a state of expect, expectant waiting. Because we don't have, we see stumbling blocks, but they could turn out to be stepping stones. Wherever you think you see an obstacle, obstacle, turn it into a challenge. And we all like challenges. It's like a good game of tennis or ping pong or monopoly or whatever your game is. You want a good challenge. Well, this is a good challenge for all of us. And that challenge actually can turn out to be the opportunity for us to create a world that works for everyone. So we can do everything from the immediate, the local, all the way up to the global. Localization, maybe. Mm, brilliant. I love that, Emmett. I just want to tell our listeners, if you just tuned in, I'm talking to Dr. Emmett Miller from Nevada City, one of the pioneers, or the pioneer in the tools of guided meditation, and just a joy to have you on. I wanted to also talk a little bit before we leave here about what we're feeding, what we're feeding on, because I think it's really important. I'm not just talking about food, which, which is actually important, but I'm talking about what you're consuming during this time. I know a lot of people are wanting to go away. They're watching Netflix and they're watching the news 24-7 to see what's happening. Talk about creating stress. That actually 
is part of the whole game of the machine is to create stress and separation. And all separation comes originally from the myth of separation is is the source of all suffering. I just want to call attention to that. One person that really stands out for me, if you are going to watch the internet, is Tristan Harris. Tristan is the conscience of Silicon Valley, and he worked for Google for a number of years, but he really shows the game of a few white men from different companies that sit around in rooms seeing how they can capture our consciousness, how they can capture our attention. And it's a war to see how to do it. And unfortunately, the tools of that capturing are fake news, are separation, are sensationalism, and negativity. And so if you're watching the internet all day or you're on social media, the best media you can listen to is yourself, is to feed yourself with positive things and thoughts And people like Dr. Miller, like the work that we do on conversations here, sending out positive messages so that we can actually transcend this I, me, my consumption period and step into a period of we, or as Dan Siegel says, muy, the two of us together. Yeah, Dan's, that's Dan's little thing. Great. Not long ago. To really look at what are you feeding yourself? What are the seeds that you're planting and the thoughts that you're cultivating? I watched a movie the other night and I can't remember what it was, but it wasn't anything violent or anything. It was just a a little movie that I was taking a, a night away from the computer. And I realized that the next three days I was having thoughts about what happened in that movie. It was inconsequential, but I'd always say, well, if she'd have done this, you know, or kind of the plot was running in my head, I, my God, I just watched a movie, the first one in months, and, and it's eating me like a, like a piranha or something. So talk a little bit about this, this what we mm. eat and some of the things that you mm-hmm. have to nourish people, Emmett. Yes, it's, it's, it's this mad dash to capture our eyeballs. And that it, there's, um, and that's what makes you successful in the world now, particularly on the internet, is you've got to capture people's eyeballs. And there are um, tens of thousands, they're called attention engineers that work for the big companies. And their idea is to engineer the picture that goes on, the sound that goes out, the words that are being used. They've got five seconds to catch your eyeballs, otherwise you swipe left, you swipe left and they're gone, they're history. So they've got to catch you. Well, what catches people? Fear is what catches them. Things that disempower, watch out. It's, there's a conspiracy out there. They're after you and they've been after you. Whatever can, whatever can have, maybe show you something violent or if you're in the movies, show lurid sex. I mean, whatever attaches your attention because that's going to build the audience which then gets sold to the advertiser that then sells you soap and laundry detergent and underarm deodorant and on and on. But it also disempowers you and distracts you. And so we need to be in control of ourselves. These things all leave us feeling frightened and less in control, more helpless. There's a statement one time, we can always tell who are the great people because when we're with them, 
we feel great ourselves. Not because we're followers, but because they tune you into the power that you have. So you need to be looking at those things and reading those things. Yeah, look at the news, pay attention to what's going on. But at the end of the show, do you feel like, hmm, there's something I can do. Wow, I can contribute to this. I can see healing that is proceeding forth from here. For those people who are interested in the technicalities of it, I can't um, advise any, I can't be too strong in advising you read the book. It's entitled Mindfuck. It's by Philip Wiley. It's by the guy who was at the center of Cambridge Analytica. He is the guy they practiced by turning the election around in Trinidad, then they turned the election around in Africa, then they turned around the American election and, uh, and Brexit. And he realized, 22-year-old guy, he was having a ball, what power. Then he realized what was happening, then he turned into the whistleblower. Well, the book's called Mindfuck, and he describes how they did it, and it's breathtaking. And you get some understanding of the power that exists in that internet, and it'll give you a few more tools to avoid it. Look at where you're getting information that is bringing you power, that's making you love people more, not hate people more, not be more suspicious of people, not be more rejecting of people, but those things that cause you to want to reach out and connect because we really are all one. Mm. Those things that help us realize that. You know that's true. We all know that that's true, but we're afraid to believe it. Yeah, we've been let down. Yeah, we've been hurt. But you know what? Get over it. And people who give you tools of how to get over those broken hearts and those pains that we have and to regain that spirit that lives at the core of our being. That's what we're about. Mm. And so I have the website, which is drmiller.com slash COVID. There's also a store where I sell the material that I've been developing over the last 50 years to treat all the different kinds of illnesses, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, relational, that are going on for people. But during this COVID time, providing lots and lots of free material because it's time for us to heal. My newsletter, e-newsletter, is also free. It's called Healing Times. And in that, I'll be as presenting as many empowering stories as I can with some hint as to how you can put it to use in your life. And, and it's a lot of us doing it. It's not about me. Yeah. But Let me bring up, I, I wanna, I, we're almost to the end of our time, Em, and I want to bring up another area which all of your things can help with. I want to say that the fear that people are feeling is not actually about what's happening. And this is a controversial subject, but I'm gonna bring it up and I think you'll be totally in alignment with it. What's being happened is a fear from somewhere probably in the first seven years of your life. And, you'll, and so this is an amazing opportunity for healing. If you can embrace that fear, then you can integrate and digest the old traumas and wounds and That's things right. that happened in childhood. So this, the gift of this virus is something that you can really use 
for a much bigger healing and integration yes. of things from the past. So when you're having this fear, I, I think Emmett will agree that if we can embrace and find it in our body, where is that fear in my body? And see if there's a story or an image that comes to mind probably very early where we first created that. And if we can love that fear like our little child and embrace it and not try to fix anything and not try to push it away, but we have an opportunity for massive healing on an individual and a cultural level when we start acting in that way with the issues that are coming up. And there is no bad emotion or good emotion. They're all teachers. And if we can start to look at the emotions that come up as teachers, as my anger, my fear, even my joy, all of that is a teacher, then we are going a long way towards creating a we world because those issues were co-created at a very early age. You didn't create, they were co-created. And to heal, you need to integrate and digest those early experiences. Absolutely. In my original work in the 1970s was working with people in a state of deep hypnosis doing age regression analysis. Mm -hmm. And I would have them take the imbalance in their life today. Your unconscious mind can trace it all the way back to that place where it entered your life and it went back to those early years. And in those years, sometimes we have a big trauma, in which case we are running around with PTSD. Sometimes there were just many ongoing traumas, like if you had a big brother or big sister who always used to beat you up. That creates a, a, a trauma within you that prevents you from being all that you are now. I may show up as anger or fear now, or maybe you learn spoil the rod, spare the child, spare the rod, spoil the child. It should be the other way around. Or big boys don't cry, or girls can't do that, or you're a little slut, or you're a sissy, or whatever. And you may think you're over it, but you're not. In order to survive, your mind has to hide that trauma for you, unless if it's not hiding it, then you're probably living a life of great uh, depression and impotence now. But we hide it and we do pretty well. But it's really in correcting those issues that are back there that's extremely important to us. And the way you know that you have an issue is that you're having anger or fear or frustration. Uh, uh, that's called, we call it neurosis, but all it is is you're reacting out of something in your childhood. Um, my, I make, think my fourth book, the one I wrote toward the end of the last uh, century, it was called Deep Healing, and I explained exactly how that, that issue works. And when you have this, this kind of problem, you know, what's, what's so important for you is to recognize that the emotion you have is telling you something's going on. Like we used to say in medical school, you know the difference between a normal person and a psychotic and a neurotic? Well, you ask a normal person how much is two and two, they say four. You say, you ask a psychotic how much is two and two, they say 17 or Elvis Presley or purple. You ask a neurotic how much is two and two, they say four. But it really pisses me off. <laughs> Things are how they are. And if you feel angry or frustrated, you're out of touch. The frustration's not helping you. It comes for a moment, I feel frustrated it didn't happen, but 
let it go, there's a very good reason that it didn't happen. Two plus two is four. Then you can figure out what you need to do right instead of getting angry and punching a hole in the wall or yelling at somebody or throwing your glass of scotch against the fireplace or whatever. So it is, we are correcting those things with, and some people, you need to go in and deal with it and you can go back. It's wonderful if you have someone who can guide you back to your childhood. Or sometimes you even remember things from your childhood, but it's not completely necessary. If you can learn the techniques of how to relax, how to decondition responses you don't want, and how to feed in responses that you do want. Um, toward the end of 10 years ago, I wrote a book. It was called Our Culture on the Couch. And I took the same things that we need to do for healing ourselves and I applied it to our culture as a whole. I pointed out that there are two ways of looking at things, either as dualistic polarity, plus and minus me versus you, us versus them, as opposed to the holistic form where we can see that there's a oneness. When we see polarity, it's just polar at this level. If you get to the next level, a transformative level, then you see that the apparent opposites are just two parts of a bigger whole, like the yin and the yang in Taoism. Mm -hmm. And the same thing that we need to do with ourselves, uh, we need to do with our culture. Our culture has been and is still suffering from PTSD from 9-11. We sat in front of our televisions and each one of us has seen those planes smash into those buildings a hundred times, a thousand times, and every time it does trauma to us. And so do we do, we go off and we invade Iraq. We go off and we start the war in Afghanistan and all the things that we've done, we're acting out of sort of a societal PTSD and we need to relax and we are all one. We take a look at some of the things that we did to the Arab world, I'd be pissed off too. Yeah. We're going to have to wrap it up, Emmett. I just, it's so good to have you on. I'm just thrilled to have you on the show again. Dr. Emmett Miller, you've spent uh, your whole life working on these issues and uh, just so grateful for everything that you offer and provide uh, for us. So thank you. And you're welcome. Yeah, we'll talk soon. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, bye for now. Bye. Conversations is an independently produced program supported by KVMR 89.5 Nevada City and listener contributions. We are committed to bringing you leading-edge thinking in the areas of environmental restoration, social justice, and spiritual fulfillment. If you would like to receive our complimentary newsletter, The Well of Light, make a contribution or order any of our past shows, go to our website at arewelistening.net.